the world comes from the human heart. That's got to be changed. And that's why Jesus said you must be born again. I believe that the evidence is overwhelming that he is who he claims to be. I can prove it by the lives that he transforms every day. Come on, man, if you're excited about revival, let's give God a big hand right now. Super excited for revival, revival in our city, revival in our church, through our church, what God wants to do. He wants to revive us. I believe that wholeheartedly. It has been prophesied, spoken, talked about. And when you see Billy Graham start talking about you must be born again, who wants to go share the gospel with somebody after you hear that? Amen. Come on, two of us. Well, I'm telling you, come on, let me hear it. Let me hear it. We're going to have to have some feedback this morning. If we're going to get anywhere, we're going to get anywhere quickly. In John chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, turn to there. Uh, John chapter 12, we're going to be there in just a moment. And I'm so excited to share uh, just uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem with us. Uh, this is a um, almost a sacred reading as we read this scripture. We're so familiar with it. It's being read to us every week, every, I mean every year. And so we get to participate with that and we get to relive scripture and read it together and be encouraged through it. I want to pray for our time this morning. My heart is that I would not leave uh, this table and these rugs and this theater floor without God speaking to you and giving you a word of encouragement through his written word maybe through something audible or visual that you hear or see that it's from God this morning. So let's pray for that. Father, we're so grateful. What a, a tremendous time of worship, God, to be led into your presence through song. And as we read your scripture, lead us, God, continue to speak to us, Lord. Open uh, our eyes to see clearly. Open our ears to hear what you would want to say to us this morning. And Lord, I just pray. Father, I just I, I still want to rest in that moment because I do think there is something new that people are believing for. And uh, I just echo what Caleb said earlier, that there's a restoration, a restoration in many areas of our lives that are so broken. And we need your restorative, redemptive power. And Lord, there's not enough self-help books. There's not enough willpower on our own volition. Lord, there's just not enough. Lord, we run out. We run short. But Lord, you are enough. And so we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, John chapter 12 is incredible. How many know Holy Week is just an incredible week to set us up? How many participating in Lent? Anybody participating in Lent around here? How many have been giving up maybe some meats or sweets for the last 40 days? And you're, you're excited for Holy Week because that means your, your fasting time's about to end. How many of you are excited for Holy Week because you have new children in your house and you're excited to give them an Easter basket and watch them open that and go hunt Easter eggs, right? We're excited for that. How many of you are excited because it's always a reminder of what our Jesus, our precious Jesus, our King did for us as he took on flesh and he walked this week I'm fascinated as we open up in John chapter 12, you realize that as you look throughout the Gospels, you look 
and see what has happened and what was written. A lot of what was written in the Gospels was written during this week and, and just right around here. Uh, we have in the book of Mark, 33% of Mark is written just on this week and what transpired during that week. We have a great account, and I think Jesus wanted to bring us in close to see what was happening throughout that week for us to reflect on and so thankful the Holy Spirit was allow us, allowed us to do that. And we know it for ourselves, right? Because you look back at your life and you see several weeks, several years, and it's hard to remember everything that made you who you are today. But there's certain weeks that really defined us. How many know that's true? Uh, maybe the week leading up to your wedding, maybe that was one that defined you. I, I know it was for me. It was going out with the guys, right? And we're going to go and we're going to experience life. And I'm, we're talking about, you know, Brandy and anticipating what marriage is going to be like. And everybody who's been married uh, longer than three months has some sort of advice for you that you are just soaking up because you want all that you can and you're so excited for that week. Maybe it was your graduation week leading up to graduation, whether it's high school or college, and you remember that week where your, your relatives were going to fly in and maybe you only had a certain amount of tickets to release to people to come see you walk this stage, this milestone moment in your life. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was that that week of that family reunion where you ended up at Disney World or you ended up somewhere else and it was that week that helped define you where all of a sudden you met family you never knew you had. You had third and fourth cousins and they came and they were so awesome and you started befriending them. Maybe we have uh, several people who have gotten their citizenship in the United States, which is so awesome. Let's give them a big hand, that's amazing. And it was that week leading up to your citizenship. I, I remember Eric De La Cruz just talking about it and celebrating and waiting for that moment. It was that week that said, man, now this is home and it's something given. See, a lot can happen in a week and can change your life forever. You talk about that week often. It's why we revisit Holy Week. It's why we revisit this moment because a lot can happen. I know for me personally that there's a lot that can happen in moments. For me personally, I remember, and I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you this morning. It's always my intention to be a little vulnerable, not so vulnerable where you don't come back. Sometimes I cross that line. Today may be that moment. I remember being 12 years old, and I remember going through anxiety and depression and fear and not knowing how to navigate that. My parents didn't know quite how to navigate it as well. And you may know somebody like this as well in their adolescence who went through such trauma in seasons like that. And maybe you've gone through that personally. It was in this moment that I was having an episode and I, I just couldn't be calmed down. And it was this moment where uh, my parents had to leave me um, at a facility so that I would just be able to get well and um, and get my medications right, my chemical imbalance right, all that stuff, and, and get counseling, intense counseling, which I'm a fan of counseling. Uh, we're a church who loves therapists. We, we encourage that. Um, sometimes you just need help getting through what you've got going on, right? Um, sometimes, you know, sitting and listening to a sermon is enough, but sometimes you just need a little more help. And so we, 
I encouraged that. And so it was this moment where I was being dropped off at this facility. And, and you know, as a 12-year-old, it's so traumatic. And, and, and my parents are leaving. They're leaving me there. I didn't want to go. And so I was, I was in a tizzy, if you can imagine. I mean, I was picking up things. I mean, objects were going, being thrown across the room. I was yelling explicit. My parents didn't even know I cussed. And then and there's all those moments happening, right? And it was this moment they took you down into a, into a room, and it's a panic room, you know, padded and all that stuff. And they put you down there so you calm down because all you're seeing is red. And so y'all like, whoa, this pastor crazy. It's a long time ago. I'm redeemed, praise God. But it was this moment I was in this room, and I was sitting there, and I finally calmed down when they said, if you don't calm down, we're giving you a shot and we're strapping you. I was like, oh, that woke me up. <laughs> all of a sudden, I had some willpower. Um, believe it or not, sat there and I spent the night in that room and it was, man, lonely place, abandoned place. You know, as a 12-year-old, you're so traumatized, you know, you didn't know how to, what to do, but at the same time, it was the safest place I could be, uh, according to everybody, how I was reacting. And I ended up going through that whole process, getting healing. A lot of you know my story where um, I, I got overcame anxiety and panic attacks and public speaking and all those things that God has been so graciously um, able to forward me through the help of his Holy Spirit and allowing his Holy Spirit to use other people in my life to speak over me. But I didn't realize until, um, you know, a year ago that that moment I never really visited except in a traumatic way. It was that moment that, that I really pressed into the Lord, and um, there was this opportunity for me to get some freedom, you know, where, where there was an opportunity to go and pray some freedom prayer with a couple of individuals, and I'm a pastor, I'm good, there's nothing wrong, I'm perfect, just ask Brandy, she'll tell you. But I actually was praying, and I was like, Lord, I don't know what it is that needs to be revisited or something that you need to bring healing to in my life. I, I had no idea. I just said, Lord, I'm going to press into you, and I'm willing. I, I think it's amazing how God is, you know, able to work with somebody who's more willing. He'll work with you even if you aren't willing. He's so good. At, he's a great God. But when you're willing and you surrender, you find yourself walking in a freedom that you wouldn't have otherwise. So I prayed all week, and I was asking the Lord, and I sat down, and I remember in that moment, and when I talk about a moment changing your life or a week changing your life, this was that moment, one of many that I've had, but this is that moment I remember sitting there, and in freedom prayer, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot maybe what counseling would do or, or therapy, but it's going back to a moment or a memory and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal that memory, not for you to conjure up something but Holy Spirit if you want to reveal something to me and I went back to that memory when I asked the Holy Spirit to reveal a memory to me and it was in that moment that that we oftentimes uh, see a memory or a moment from our perspective how many know that's true quickly becomes about us and our perspective this is how I see the world this is how I see the situation this is how I see the injustice this is how I see everything how many you know that's a flawed view? It's, it's nice. It's, we, it's, it's valued, but it's flawed. It's not completely accurate. 
So it's important to ask the one who knows all, who's been there, who was there, to ask where he was in the situation for him to bring healing in that moment to reveal himself. And so that's what we did. We asked the Holy Spirit to reveal this moment. He did. And then I just asked Jesus, where were you in that moment? Where were you when I was abandoned in this room? Where were you? And I'll never forget because it's so in line with who he is through his word as we read his word in scripture. He said, I was there. I want to let you know, son, that I was abandoned too. It was this moment of freedom for me. And that's what Holy Week reminds me of this week is it's a moment that Jesus says, I've been there too. I've been there too. I've, I've been through every situation, been abandoned and rejected. In a moment in John 12, that week, he started out with praise, and we know that it ended quite badly. But of course, at the end, he gets the final say, very redemptive. I want to encourage you with that story because a week can define us. A moment can define us, and the Lord can define you in a brief moment. Whether it was walking down to the altar with salvation and asking the Lord to move, or it was or it was a moment like this in your life, or whether it was another moment that you experienced wherever it was, the Lord can move like that, and he wants to move like that. John 12, let's read our scripture this morning. It says in verse 12, The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, took palm branches and went out to him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. I love this moment. We see this moment right here, and there's this moment of praise where a bunch of people, the Jews are crowded around Jesus because he just raised a man from the dead and everybody witnessed it. If somebody raised a man from the dead and you witnessed this, how many of you would start following him? Maybe a little curious, maybe a little skeptical. Maybe you would have, you know, a little sidearm just in case it gets weird, you know? It is this crazy moment, but they're all there and they're all witnessing this and they see that this truly is the power of God, and there's something unique about him. In fact, so unique that they cry out, this is the Messiah, this is who he is, who he's created to be, and they're, create, they're, they're, they're saying this anthem that Austin said during our communion moment, Hosanna, Hosanna, this is, means the praise to the one who saves would be a translation for that. Praise to the one who saves. You're the one who came to redeem us and save us. And there is much to be said for praise, isn't there, church? 
There's much to be said for praise, and I want to focus on that just for a moment, in this moment of praise, because when I was free and God came and he met me and gave me a moment of freedom that week, it, it, it responded with praise, because when God does something in our life, there's a response of praise. There's this response of, Hosanna, you're the one who saves. You're the one who does it. So what do we learn through this Well, obviously, we learn that revival happens in song and praise. Song and praise starts setting the environment for revival. As we've been studying and looking at different revivals and revival moments and watching revival curriculum in our life groups and, and, and wondering how God has moved, we saw him move in great measure all the time. You see, it was, it was moments that um, not just people came together in those elements that we have studied, but, but it's almost as though history has positioned itself for revival to be unlocked and unleashed. Like 1440, when we have the printing press invented, in that moment, all of a sudden, the Bible can be replicated accurately, and it can go out Quickly, 180 manuscripts, I think, were first printed on the printing press. And that is huge. Imagine those getting all over the place. So much, though, that it threatened the people who love to control everything. Like Pope Alexander said, we need to shut this down. And said, hey, if you're going to print anything, it needs to come through the, the Catholic Church. Because we, we need a filter, right? Content filtering, if you will. We need a content filter that, but, but you have people like John Calvin and Martin Luther who said, no, this stuff has to get out. The letters of John Calvin printed and distributed. You have Calvin, uh, or you have Martin Luther, who knelt in the 95 Thesis. And here's, the, here's a new discovery of grace like we've never seen before. And he starts getting that, and he starts printing that. He prints it in one year, 1517, I believe, and by two years later, it had spread all over Europe because you could rapidly spread the document. And it was sending revival throughout the land. This is what happens, and I'm so fascinated by this as we talk about revival. Look at our technology. I mean, if you're online at home, wave an emoji. There are people watching service right now all around the world through that camera lens. That's incredible. Like, thank you for being here and watching. You know, like, let's give them a big shout. Hey! There you go. Cool. There's people all over. Technology is going everywhere, and it's, it's, being, massly, uh, it's being spread to the masses. But what you also see is you see something in the music industry that has never happened before. Where all of a sudden, somebody can record and produce something in their room, in their bedroom, and it can be heard all around the world. You see, music is being mass produced. It's, it's almost like a new printing press where all of a sudden it can get out. Have you ever tried to keep up with the content of worship songs that are out now? It's impossible, right? Because you go to YouTube and there's like 10 new hits that are happening from all over the place. And there's this revival of worship that's happening. And what we're seeing around the globe is the church in masses are singing out Hosanna. The churches in masses are hearing these songs and singing these songs. And 
not just on Sunday in a liturgical moment like this, but they're singing them and praising them throughout the week in their cars and in their living rooms and in different places. You see, praise and worship is moving and it is contagious and there is a revival of song right now like never before. It's, it's almost prophetic, right? You would dream dreams and see visions. And those are being written now and sung all over where all of a sudden we see a generation of people and their heart for God. I think God is getting smaller. I want to tell you that he's not getting larger and we're becoming even more aware of him. Through this revival of song, through this revival of praise. So why is praise important to us? What does this mean? How is it important to us? First off, I got to tell you that praise is contagious. Praise is contagious. How many know that? Like, I mean, Pastor Edgar is over here, you know, our pastor in residence who one day is going to plant a church with his family and and go out and do that. But but Pastor Edgar is always saying, amen. That's right. Y'all hear him? Y'all hear him? Anybody hear him? I hear him all the time. Thank you, Pastor Edgar. And he says that and all of a sudden it makes me want to do that. I'm sitting here, worship, I hear Edgar, that's right. I'm like, that's right. Amen, amen. Come on now, come on now. You know, so, so we just, it's like we're echoing this, this it's just contagious. In my last church, uh, there was this elder, and every time <laughs> there was a good point, and I'm not going to encourage you to do this, but if you want to, you can. There was this elder, and, and he would start the clap. And he would sit here until everybody joined in. That's right. And everybody was clapping. Even you on the back row, it would start to get into you. Yeah, come on now. Okay, that was 10 of us. We got a lot of work to do. But it was contagious. It, it, it reverbed in our souls. It was like, that's right, that was a good point. I'm glad he was clapping because I almost missed it. Oh, man, that's right. I'm glad we clapped for that person this morning because, because they needed some encouragement. I could join in with that. Praise is contagious, and we see that all the time. And we see that as, in this moment as Jesus is coming in. I mean, it's, who's the first, first person laying their palm branch? Who's the guy that said, man, I'm going to get some palm branches. Messiah's coming. I'm going to lay down some palm branches. I'm going to tell you, somebody started, and other people are like, oh, yeah, let's go get them. You know, they're hacking down palm branches. Where do they go get those? I don't know, but they're getting them. Somebody decides they're going to lay down their cloak. Oh, man, that guy did. I'm going to do it too because, you know, it just is contagious. Praise is contagious. That's why it's an element of revival because if revival were to happen, it may start with one individual, but it has to be contagious. It has to get beyond yourself. You have to start affecting somebody else. You have to start speaking life into somebody else. Praise is contagious. And then we see this moment, that in this moment, the praise is contagious, but praise also makes way for cleansing. That praise, as you praise, you see yourself getting free. It starts changing your mindset. It starts moving in a way where you thought badly, but now you're thinking greatly. It starts changing the way you see life. 
Man, I was down on my luck, but somebody started praising. I started praising, and now I'm excited. It starts changing your whole brain chemistry. I love Chantal Ledardivo this morning. She was talking about how they actually say, as you sing, it creates endorphins. And as you praise, it's going to create endorphins, and it just moves all the way into your brain, your chemistry. It's why we like to praise. It's why we say, how you doing? It's why we say, God is good. And all the time, okay, God is good. And all the time, that's it, man. Some of y'all know that. Kojic, okay, come on, let's go. And as we praise, we see this cleansing. And I love this foreshadowing in the Holy Week you read in this moment. After Jesus enters and after all this praising, what does he do? He starts cleansing the temple. He starts cleansing the temple. He starts cleaning it out. He starts saying, hey, man, this is a house of prayer, not a house of robbers, not a, not a house to, to just do whatever you want. This is a house of prayer. This is God's house. You realize when you praise, you're saying, okay, this is your house, God. Cleanse it. Make it new. Change my mind. Renew it. Praise does that. That's what I love about praise. Praise changes our mind. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And when you're diagnosed with certain illnesses and you, uh, you have misfortunes in your life and there's different things that happen that are difficult situations, then, then it's time to praise. It's time to praise because you need a God perspective on that. Praise is also eternal. That's what I love. I love that when I praise here, I'll also be praising in eternity. You see, a lot of things that we do here on earth is just practice for heaven. Just like heaven on earth. That's what we want. We want to be a people who just say, okay, I'm praising. It's eternal. We love your kingdom, God. It's all about your kingdom. We have these moments where it's, where it's kingdom. Hebrews 13, 15 says, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the first fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. First fruit of my lips would acknowledge his name and that I would continually offer praise. And as I do that, I start practicing kingdom speech and kingdom life in its eternity. You realize we're going to be praising in eternity. You realize there's not going to be a negative thought in heaven. So why waste your time now? Let's just start believing that God can start speaking in that way and we can start coming in agreement with who he is and what he says. So how do we appropriately praise? We, we pray, praise is a positioning. It's a positioning. See, to appropriately praise is to get yourself off of yourself. To appropriately praise says that I'm not king, I'm not Messiah, he is. See, I, I, I sometimes want to do this. During Holy Week, I, I think about myself. If Jesus was on the cult, maybe I'll just get in that line too, you know. Maybe I'll get a little, you know. <laughs> you ever see that? You know, you see those shows, the paparazzi. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get on the red carpet and just act like I'm famous. You know, sometimes that's what we want. We want the spotlight. We want that. But praise positions us into humility and surrender. It positions us in a place where we can just be humble and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. In a way of surrender that I, I don't have the answers, but you do. See, revival will never happen if we're self-centered. We have to be God-centered. 
Praise helps us be God-centered. When we come in, we, every Sunday we get this practice. I love it. Every Sunday we get come in and we get to practice how to live the rest of the week. And I don't know about you, this is so bad, but I pray better when there's other people around. You know that's true? It's just like, man, dude, I gotta, I gotta impress. Oh man, they prayed that way. I'm gonna use that. I worship better when other people are around. Ooh, I like that new, that new move, Chantal. I like it. I like it. I just worship better when I'm around other people. When I hear song and I hear reverb and I see that it's contagious, I just gets in me. You know, I can't hide my junk in this room. I can't hide my funk. I have to get inside and in alignment with what everybody else is doing. But I like self-pity, Pastor. I don't want to feel sorry for myself. You don't know how bad I got it. I know. I want to be vulnerable enough with you to let you know I know. I know how bad you are. I don't know every situation. I don't know everything that was said. Everything that was done. I do know when I praise, I'm praising to the one who knows all things. Not just to the one who knows, the one who transforms. He prays appropriately transformed. It's why we say Hosanna. Hosanna. The God who saves. Praise to the God who saves. What he has done for us, church this week, I encourage you, praise Him. Praise Him when you wake up. Praise Him as you're going. And praise Him when you lie down. God is so good. So true. He's so just. Psalm 118 says, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he made his light to shine upon us. Find the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Hundreds of years later, here comes Jesus. We have the opportunity to give him praise. Now, 2,000 years later, we have an opportunity to give him praise. It's always been an opportunity to give him praise. Will we take it? Would bow your head and close your eyes with me as we pray. Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. We praise you. You're the one who was. You're the one who is. You're the one who is to come. Praise you. Lord, you know our real needs and our real hurts. So grateful we praise a God who cares, who loves, who restores, who heals, who transforms. Praise you. We praise you today in every way. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. I want to invite you. If you don't know Jesus, 
never met him, you never decided to trust him with your life, today is your opportunity. First, you just admit that you are a sinner. You fall short of perfection. But you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. And he died a death that you deserve because of your imperfection upon the cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave. So you confess with your mouth as you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You will be saved. Pray out to him, church. If that's you this morning, and you're crying that prayer, and you're praying it, this is your moment. This is the moment that God wants to meet you, renew you, and save you. No longer will that praise be empty. That praise will come. So grateful for you. Bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church. Be blessed. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben, for an amazing word today. I hope that you have realized the love of Jesus in your life. And another way to realize that love is to be here next week for Easter yeah. Sunday. I mean, it's one of the most attended church services throughout the year. So bring your family, bring your friends, because I don't know about you, but I want to celebrate Jesus resurrecting. I need him more than anybody else. We all do. Absolutely. <laughs> so we also just want to thank you guys for your tithes and offerings, giving of your gifts. We know that you work very hard for your finances and know that the Lord is blessing you as you decide in your heart to give cheerfully. And so we just want to bless that. Let's just pray before we end. We send you off next week. Father God, we thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness, for your grace. Thank you for your blessings. Yes. And thank you for Easter Sunday coming up. We're just so thankful, Lord, that you literally gave us someone to cover our sins, Lord, to live the life that we should have lived, Lord, and die the death that we should have died. We're so grateful to celebrate with you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We will see you next week. Am I going to see you next week? I'll be there. Will you be there? I'll be there. Cool. See you next week. <laughs>